Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour. Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Namaste, reverence to the divine within you, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and we're going to be exploring today the world of recovery through the lens of yoga. Many people, of course, are familiar with yoga today. We understand millions in the U.S. are practicing. But when we speak of yoga on the Yoga Hour, we're particularly um, referring to the meditative uh practices of yoga, meditation, lifestyle adjustment um, with the goal of self and God realization. So today's topic is the search for freedom, yoga recovery and self-realization. We're going to look at what does yoga offer those seeking freedom from debilitating habits and addictions and uh, look at the question about whether or not yoga philosophy and practice is compatible with the 12-step program of recovery. And I'm joined today by Durga Leela, who is the founder of Yoga uh, of Recovery. And we're going to talk about liberation, including its practical and ultimate dimensions. Both yoga and recovery programs promise that we can reach beyond our habits and our limitations for life brimming with health, vitality, and freedom. Durga Leela is a clinical Ayurvedic and Panchakarma specialist trained both in the U.S. and India, and she's the founder of Yoga of Recovery. And you can visit her website, which is just that, yogaofrecovery.com. Welcome, Durga. I'm so happy uh, to be sharing with you on the Yoga Hour today. Yes, thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. And before we dive into our conversation about yoga and freedom, this path of recovery as it shows up both uh, in yoga and the 12-step universe, let's take a moment to meditate and just center ourselves. An easy way to begin to meditate is to affirm the divine nature of life itself, one reality, one divine power and presence expressing as all that is, and therefore to affirm and to know and to remember that right where we are, God is 
Regardless of the name you call it, spirit, God, peace, father, mother, that reality is omnipresent. It's right here, right now. A simple meditation can be simply remembering that, coming back into touch with that, with eyes open or eyes closed. And then becoming aware of the breath. And feel that you are breathing in God, in this ever-conscious, eternally present, unbounded field of divine consciousness. Your breath is a point of contact with your higher true self and the world around you. So breathing in, feel that you are diving in to the infinite allness within you. Breathing out, connecting to that divine presence that is everywhere. So feel your breath now, be aware of it, and sense it so profoundly as a conscious connection to that divine reality which is not separate from you. It is your own divine self. And notice as we become aware of the breath, it naturally slows down. Mind becomes quiet, body becomes quiet. And then the light of the consciousness that we are becomes apparent. Peace pervades the body and mind. So let us use this meditation moment then as a touchstone for the day today or the evening whenever you are listening to this let it be your touchstone to take that peace with you into every encounter to begin our conversation today on the search for freedom, yoga, recovery, and self-realization on this topic of yoga and freedom. Paramahansa Yogananda said, true freedom consists in performing all actions, eating, reading, working, and so forth, in accordance with right judgment and choice of will, not in being compelled by habits. Eat what you should eat and not necessarily what you are used to or we, or we could add or want to. Do what you ought to do, not what your bad habits dictate. It's only when you discard bad habits that you are really free. So freedom, of course, can be a starting place for us to consider what recovery programs, and when I say recovery programs, you know, there are many of them, but I think we can focus um, today on on what is generically known as 12-step recovery programs and the path of yoga, what they have in common, uh, the life of freedom that people are seeking in recovery you know, often begins with the desire to be free from addiction and the havoc that follows in the wake of addiction, you know, but recovery also shares the vision with yoga of a spiritual life of freedom. So it's not just the, you know, what we might call the negative vision of, you know, being rid of something that doesn't work, but it also, of course, has this uh, goal of what is a life without addiction. And, you know, if you've been in the recovery community, you're aware that there's sort of a mantra that pervades that community, and that is the invitation 
um, that freedom from addiction offers us to be happy, joyous, and free. And this is really not so different from yoga's goal um, as the liberation of consciousness, freedom from all forms of bondage, including the root of that, which is the mistaken sense of self-identity. So, Durga, you have been, of course, immersed in bringing these worlds together for some time uh, with your work, uh, Yoga of Recovery. What, what do you see as the parallel goals of the path of classical yoga and 12-step recovery. Yeah, that's a beautiful introduction. Um, the, I think really what I see is the way we we titled the body of work that um, we introduced to people, it's called Yoga of Recovery. Um, and, and that really comes from, if I say this quite plainly, I um, experienced relief from alcoholism through the 12-step program, what, what they generally refer to as a spiritual experience and then that becoming a sustainable habit of life through working 12 steps, attending meetings, being with a sponsor, um, taking up the principles of the 12 steps. The, um, at some point in that, not that long into it, maybe a year or two, I was seeking additional ways to maintain wellness and sobriety and that took me to an ashram uh, the ashram where we met the Shivananda ashram in Grass Valley Mm. and I have to be honest that I was pretty much seeking an easier softer way um, (laughs) which I think is just the the kind of habit of the mind Uh So Um, so you mean you were seeking a way of life that was easier than what you found in recovery and working the 12 steps Pretty you thought, much, you yeah. thought You mm-hmm. thought yoga would be easier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I learned that it wasn't, um, which always makes me laugh because, you know, I, I just thought maybe it would be more palatable to me, you know, it would just mm-hmm. feel better or something. Um, mm-hmm. And so off I went to the ashram, and to my surprise, most of what the swamis were talking about, most of what yoga seemed to be talking about was a mirror of the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And so I could see that very clearly, especially, you know, as we talk about it from your the expanded view of the vast system of healing that is yoga. Um, so, you know, I I could see, obviously, the, the karma yoga in the 12 steps of the principles of service with 12-step programs. I could see the principles of the bhakti yoga through the the decision to turn will and life over to a higher power, the, the idea of surrender. I could see the idea of inventory as somewhat the active self-inquiry on a daily basis Mm -hmm. as well as the Mm -hmm. original inventory where we clear the wreckage of the past. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and even to the point where some of the 12-step slogans like this too shall pass Mm -hmm. is what what the Swamis were talking about in regard to the Vedanta, the Jnana Yoga, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the ultimate questions of who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then really at that level, that most of the 12 steppers, which um, Swami Sita Ramananda, who's the director of the Grass Valley Ashram, pretty much calls streetwise yoga, mm-hmm. is, is happening in those 12 step, step rooms where we look for the similarities, not the differences, um, all of that. And so it was it was quite a surprise to be looking for a way out and to find a deeper way in. Mm-hmm. But that was a good thing, obviously, because you know then then I be I was able to support the the work of the the twelve step program with a, a deeper spiritual practice, and that ultimately really is what the twelve step program asks from us uh-huh. that we we make use of the twelve steps for that initial um, recovery, and we keep going back to that as a service principle to help the newcomers. Mm-hmm. But we also make use of what we can find in our society to deepen our spiritual path um, because Bill Wilson actually calls his 12-step program the spiritual kindergarten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's a, there's so much allowing in the way Bill Wilson wrote the, the, the principles and the work of the 12 steps um, that he wanted us to participate in all forms of spirituality so that we really could find ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it's interesting in the, this idea of liberation. Which, quite a few people came up to me when I first started this work, which was um, I I founded it pretty much in 2001 when you know the idea came to me that these two systems were paralleling each other so much. And people would come to me and say, how can you equate yoga with the 12 steps? Because um, yoga says we can be fully liberated. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, people seem to think the 12 steps don't say that. Mm-hmm. And and that came up for me yesterday again. It comes up for me quite a lot because the 12 steps have a, a saying that has, is, a, is a saying that's actually been shortened from its original saying. <clears throat> And the saying is progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people read, <clears throat> excuse me, read that as the 12 steps are saying we can only progress, we, can actu- we cannot actually reach spiritual perfection. Mm-hmm. But the, the truth of the saying is, and I found this when I was studying, um, I believe it was the 12 and 12 of mm-hmm. um, AA-approved literature, Mm-hmm. And I had it in India, and I was looking through it, as you know, really to read into what, what is this program of the 12 steps, um, because it really interested me. It saved my life, basically. And in there, you can see it written that um, Bill Wilson and the writers of that book say, we aim for spiritual perfection, we claim spiritual progress. Mm-hmm. And so that was a major eureka moment for me, because... Really, progress, not perfection, needs to be extended to say the aim and the claim. Mm -hmm. So the aim is definitely the spiritual perfection, because why would we we stop short of what is promised to us? Right, right. And of course, even the masters don't claim perfection Mm -hmm. because uh, it's something that cannot be... Spoken. So that's a beautiful uh, discovery, Durga. And um, I, I just, I just want to say, I think it's it's so interesting in terms of, you know, what the entry points are, you know, on our journey. You know, so it sounds like, if I can characterize it correctly, like for you, you know, you you started at the base, you know, of the mountain. We'll say with this very practical program of recovery. And then, you know, we're looking for what you call, a, you know, a softer way and this mm-hmm. spiritual path of yoga. And so, you know, that becomes the whole journey. For me, I actually began my journey with yoga and mm-hmm. was some years into the path of study and practice of yoga before I discovered that recovery for me would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I started um, in a sense at, the, at what I would call the mountaintop of, of yoga philosophy and practice, but because I didn't yet have sobriety, it rather readily for me became another uh, escape route, you know, another uh-huh. way to, and, and by escape route, I mean get away from myself instead of discovering, you know, myself. So, you know, either path, I think the 12-step program or even yoga, uh, without uh, some sense of recovery uh, can actually become uh uh, another form of bondage, another form of addiction. Um, you know, it, people can be addicted to their their path of yoga, and what I mean by that is use it as a, a path of avoidance rather than a path of encounter. Uh, you know, when my guru uh, Roy Jean Davis met uh, Barmansa Yogananda, one of the first things that Yogananda Ji said to him was. Um, that Kriya Yoga is not a path of escapism. Um, but, you know, I think that for many of us, you know, just out of the initial impetus on the spiritual path, you know, we're, we're looking for um, relief from our suffering. And that first comes to us as an idea that somehow we can escape, you know, we can rise above it, um, uh, which in some way, of course, we can, but that has to be done consciously, you know, not by leaving ourselves, but by coming home to ourself, learning about who we, who we really are. Um, when we come back from the break, 
Let's talk more about the, <clears throat> excuse me, the parallels between the 12-step program and uh, some of the um, differences as well. You're listening to the Yoga Hour. Today our topic is yoga and freedom, and we're looking at yoga as a path of recovery with our guest, Durga Leela, who is the founder of Yoga of Recovery, and that is yogaofrecovery.com. We'll be right back with you. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Someone once said there are two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. Climb the tree or plant an acorn and wait. If we expect changes to happen in our lives, we may want to consider climbing. Plus, changes needn't be monumental. Sometimes it's as easy as an attitude shift. Life is what we bring to it. Do you have a job that seems less than exciting? When you walk through the door, bring joy with you. Life looks better when viewed through a positive attitude. Are you facing a health challenge or surgery? Get rid of your fears by focusing instead on spirit working in and through you. When you remember that with God all things are possible, your outlook cannot help but change. Today, wherever you go, whatever you face, do so with joyous expectations. Release your inner splendor and allow the light and love of God to guide your way. This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. Finding time for the positive reminders in Daily Word is easy with the digital edition, perfect for smartphones and readers on the go. Give it a test run with our 30-day free trial offer. Learn more at unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword. notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien talking today with Durga Leela, founder of Yoga of Recovery. And in the first segment, we were talking about this goal of liberation. Um, being free, uh, really, from uh, debilitating habits and addictions, and this higher goal of liberation, meaning uh, liberation from um, the erroneous sense of what we are as human beings, you know, seeing ourselves as just the body, mind, uh, having a soul, rather than knowing that we are that Atman, we are that divine reality expressing in time and space through the physical body. Um, and we were talking about some of the similarities on this path of a 12-step path and path uh, that we call yoga. And uh, Durga, thank you so much for that clarification about this idea of progress and perfection that even in 12 steps, you know, we aim for perfection, but we claim progress. That was really a beautiful gift. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we look at uh, the similarities, and you also did a beautiful job in our first segment of, of looking at how these paths of uh, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga are all really there for someone also in a 12-step program. Um, 
you know, l- let me ask an, an interesting question. You know, I mean, certainly I know in my own life and I know you know in yours, but, you know, what would you say about why would somebody want or need both? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, so let me answer this from what I truly know in my heart is, um, and, and if I can say it this way, the when you look at the 12 Steps, a lot of it really fundamentally relies upon the bhakti yoga principles, this um, belief in a higher power. And the way I usually phrase this to people is one of the things that we get from that is this, the God of our understanding, the higher power, the great reality deep down within us. That's the descriptions given to us in the 12 steps. And a lot of the time people very loosely define who or what their higher power is. And in some sense, that that kind of leaves people with a bit of a loose connection to the higher power, you know, mm-hmm. the, the healing power, the mm-hmm. healing prana. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I really found with yoga is that it enabled me to really investigate what that higher power, the God thing was. And yoga is very expansive in that, and it allows us to have that the the Ishta Devata, our chosen form of divinity, what we see our role with that higher power to be, and the practices that honor the intimacy that we're building with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Not just meditation, but you know the idea of like a Surya Namaskar, a salute to the sun, the sun being a higher power, some rituals. You know, naming God, forming God, really playing with God in a way, singing to God, you know, all those things that we do in the the joyful connection to God. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really felt I needed that. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I needed that deeper inquiry into, you know, a, a system that's been honed over thousands of years of what is our, you know, human condition relationship to the the higher self as well. Yeah, that that's beautiful to um, to look at the you know first the parallel as you said you know with recovery says you know God as we understand God and in yoga we find a, a, a similar uh, invitation you know which is you know the the freedom to conceptualize God however we choose to, you know, whatever pleases the heart, whatever pleases the mind. But then, of course, also to understand that God, this ultimate reality, is beyond that. And, you know, so I, in terms of, you know, the both, like why would both be helpful? And, you know, it's not for everyone. I think we should say that. Although, you know, when you're in recovery, you certainly get the idea that everyone could benefit from it. <laughs> and, and, you know, usually, you know, you if you're new to 12-step, you come out and you think, oh, you know, why isn't everybody in this? And especially why isn't everybody in <laughs> my family in this, right? You know, so yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> there is that. But, you know, after a while, you kind of settle down and you, and you understand that, you know, it there's a divine grace in our life that um, lights up the path for us. And so the path of recovery uh, is beneficial, certainly for, for many people who, who find it. But, you know, it's not for everyone. So some people may have uh, no program at all. Some may have just 12-step and some may have just yoga or some may have both. Uh, I do find that both have been very beneficial in in my life. Um, and I think one of the things you mentioned about uh, 12 step, you know, there's this freedom in there. Um, and, and I think in its initial, you know, concept to not be a religion, um, but to give people that freedom of spirituality, it does leave the door open to how people want to further that and explore it. And so for those of us uh, who go on this path of yoga, not only does it allow us to really uh, study, to contemplate and experience this reality of God, but also to learn about our mind, <laughs> really, you know, and and that is such a wonderful support for understanding um, uh, 
the genesis, really, uh, of addictive patterns and behaviors and, you know, how we can overcome them because we understand uh, more, you know, through the science of yoga, um, you know, how these habits are formed and held, you know, in the chitta, in the mind field. So... Norga, tell us, you know, in terms of yoga practices, you know, for people who are, are starting out in recovery and, you know, wanting to have yoga be a path that enhances their freedom uh, from addiction, what are some of the practices, or we could even start with one practice of yoga that you find most helpful for somebody getting sober? Yeah, getting sober there. Um, I, I like how you say that, too, because I think there is a progress in the practice. You know, we progress through the 12 steps. We progress through the practice. And for me, that's really been, that's what we discuss in yoga recovery is in the, the idea of um, addiction defined by us in yoga recovery. We use David Frawley's, which is it's a state of tamas brought on by excessive rajas, which is... <laughs> The, the state of darkness of the mind brought on by excessive activity, really, of external seeking for pleasure and, you know, the, the ultimate solution for our suffering, seeking mm. it outside ourselves. It's the, a beautiful the, the idea for that, then, I think, and it's, it's true, most people discover it, that the, the inroad to the greater path of yoga usually comes for people through the practice of hatha yoga. You know, they'll, they'll, that certainly was my inroad is that I need to do something. You mm-hmm. know, there's that feeling of stagnancy, uncertain energy, mm-hmm. and a lot of us just feel we gravitate towards I need to do something with the body, and so we show up in a yoga class, and there we, we come out of maybe an hour, hour and a half with a profoundly different feeling mm-hmm. of being in the body, being alive, being at peace. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's described to me in so many different ways what people get even from just one Hatha yoga class. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, these days now we have all these choices of what, what the practice would be in Hatha yoga. Back when I started, there wasn't such a wide choice. But now we also have the, the practice of yoga nidra and restorative yoga, things like that. And I think people really need that because... The initial aspect of recovery is is kind of daunting, like you said earlier. It's like being at the bottom of the mountain and you've got mm-hmm. to take these steps and you've got to take steps every day. And for me, what I really, really um, connected with was my uncertain energy. Mm-hmm. You know, for I had uh, a pranic system, my energy system in my daily living where, you know, I, I have what I call the the tiredness that sleep wouldn't take away and the hunger mm. that food wouldn't take away. Mm-hmm. So my, my physical system was in disarray. Mm-hmm. And so the, the actual physical practice really helped me with that. Mm-hmm. And, of, of course, mm-hmm. every time we do one practice, it's, it's like the light is turning on to the other practices. So as soon as I started to do that, I was still a smoker. And so that really want, that made me want to move the breath and pranayama and get rid of the toxicity of cigarettes. And, you know, and that deepened my recovery, you know, because mm-hmm. I was still using an addictive substance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was apparently okay, even with my therapist who said, oh, no, we, we don't count that, which I thought was kind of funny. Because that's when I come up against in my own life, you know, the, the idea of... Um, you're okay because you're not drinking alcohol, but I was really still killing myself with the other addictive habit of nicotine. Mm-hmm. And even the medical profession said, that's fine, we'll give you antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I thought, well, I think you're missing something here because every time something comes up for me, I just I pop a cigarette in my mouth and mm-hmm. that is taking away my breath, which is kind of <laughs> fundamental to life. <laughs> so therefore, I, I needed to pursue that. And at the same time, the, the other understanding of the healing path is to get into action. You know, tamas is this inertia, this darkness, and so it's to hang out with people who have the light, the satsang, and then it's also to do some service, the karma yoga aspect. So that was really my initial path into yoga, 
It wasn't sitting for meditation. It, you know, I was hearing the philosophy talks, and I, I loved it. I often say that felt like that was the first drink I'd ever been given when I heard the philosophy of yoga. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I needed that purification process to be able to really comprehend what mm-hmm. the deeper yoga was about. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely makes sense. And I, and I think, um, you know, that hatha yoga can be, um, such a powerful way in for people who are, you know, just getting sober because, you know, it seems to me that addiction in all its forms fundamentally is about running away from ourselves, mm-hmm. um, from our experience of life. You know, really we're running away from our pain and we're, you know, we're trying to do anything to stay in control and cover up what whatever it is we're feeling because that's kind of terrifying (laughs) and so so the idea you know for some people of just sitting you know to meditate is um is pretty awful because then the idea that is you're just going to sit and you know have to connect to yourself um is is dreadful idea to people early in recovery but with hatha yoga what happens you know as you described is um you know through the the balancing of the pranas with the you know in, with the breath and in the body then a more sattvic um, state arises in the mental field and we get to experience that hey you know it's not so bad in there you know <laughs> i can uh-huh. be i can be with myself you know and i think that's a fundamentally profound experience and um extremely important um for recovery this sense that we actually can tolerate being with ourselves, you know, and that sounds just absolutely insane to somebody who hasn't, you know, come across that fear of connecting with themselves, but it sounds absolutely familiar to those who have had that experience, don't you think? Yeah, and even for me, you know, just really picking up on that, the the ability to be with yourself, I used to actually stage a few um, times that I could leave the yoga class Mm-hmm. Um, just because like, I couldn't actually stand to be there for my class was an hour and a half or two hours and you know so I would be in there and I'd kind of plot in advance okay so when this comes up a piece of the class <laughs> that I didn't like I'll go out and use the restroom mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I mean I would plot my escape even <laughs> within a, a it was a two hour yoga class at the ashram Right. And now I look back to that because it seems such a long time and then my mind still projected into not wanting to be there, still projected into that, give me the escape. Mm-hmm. So I look at that and laugh now because, um, you know, we're, we're still taking it in stages. We're taking mm-hmm. it whatever way we can and that's still progress, you know. Yeah, and, you know, later we we can look and understand that a lot of that behavior that we had is just this sort of um, sad attempt <laughs> to be in control, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to be in, in control. And so then we come to this idea on the, that's in recovery and it's on the path of yoga, which is surrender, Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a mysterious thing, isn't it? You know, it's, it, it it it's something that, of course, we we know um, and we can uh, feel the delight of it when we do. But you know, to someone new to yoga and new to recovery, it's the most mysterious thing. So, how do you teach people about surrender? How do I teach people? Mm-hmm. Um, about surrender. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I question whether I do. I mean, I think usually I I ask people about when they've recognized that their own system, mind-body system, has come to a point of surrender. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't really know if surrender is such an activity, mm-hmm. if you see what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, talk, we talk a lot about just let go. Right. And how can you let go if you have no trust? 
Mm-hmm. Or how can you let go if you have no idea there's any net below you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so there is there is the working of the steps. To me, I guess, um, the way I come to let go is I watch other people and I learn from them that they're not hanging on as tightly. They're not as exhausted as I am. They seem mm-hmm. to be able to laugh more. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're doing the, these things that are suggested. Um, I was reading an Al-Anon book last night and, you know, it came to um, the step six, six thing where, you know, we are operating under these character defects, these learned survivor skills that are no longer needed. And the idea is you let go and let God. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. You know, there's that thing that we talk about um, in 12-step programs that most people have never let go that easily. You know, there's there's nail marks down anything they've let go of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um I, I'm no. not sure I could say that I teach people surrender. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, the the idea of the whole yoga path is that mix between effort and surrender, so we talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the mix of those two, like the path is somewhat of an effort and simultaneously it's somewhat of a surrender to the, the, the stillness of being. Um, right. And right. so those two are always be offered, I would say. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're in the mood for one. And mm-hmm. if you're an active person like I am, I think you I think you you try generally to act your way into better behavior until <laughs> it just gets like repetitive and then at some point you just from an energy system you just have to let go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, I, I know one of the most meaningful things I ever heard in a 12-step program was the only way you change generally is when the pain of change becomes less than the pain of holding on as you are. Mm-hmm. And, and that was early recovery for me, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, so, therefore, I even at this um, juncture, I don't think I could teach someone how to surrender. Mm-hmm, I think we yeah. open up conversations of mm-hmm. how we've come to these like mini surrenders, mini mm-hmm. realizations mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. just you you can't expend that much energy mm-hmm. holding on to that which doesn't work and causes yeah. you that much pain and suffering when you can no longer medicate it away. Yeah, and and, and I that's th- a big part for me is yeah. I can't take this amount of pain unless I can medicate it away. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, if I'm not using or cross-addicting, then I really have to turn to the tools, and mm-hmm. then all the tools are there for us, I always say, to play with, because, mm-hmm. you know, generally I'm, I'm, not that, uh, I'm not that good at it. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll try this, I'll try that. I like the synthesis of the four paths, because I'll do a little bit of all of it, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'll do a little meditation, a little hatha yoga, a little chanting, Mm-hmm. And, you know, then time goes by and something is released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through, uh, through, <laughs> through grace, through grace, we, we see that happening. And, you know, I think uh, with regard to surrender, you, you, you've actually touched on, you know, some really important pieces of it, which is, you know, we learn about it. You know, we watch people surrender. We, we, we reflect on times, you know, when we've let go and, you know, maybe we let go just because we didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, when we study yoga philosophy, we, we also, I think, can, can work, um, first, you know, like work with the concepts even, you know, of, of surrender being letting go of the idea that we're on our own. So, you know, sometimes I, I, I teach about surrender as a back, you know, like go in the back door. Like, you know, whenever you um, feel yourself, you know, just on your own, like with without support, <laughs> you know, which mm-hmm. is so false. And, you know, the people in recovery usually start with that assumption you know we're on our own you know nobody has ever helped us and you know the stories and so um surrender you know i say if you go in the back door you just start with the willingness to give up that conversation 
mm-hmm. you know, and what would it be like if you stopped having that conversation, you know, out loud or in your head? Um, and, you know, that becomes a sort of a backdoor into uh, letting go into this uh you know, truth that we're, we're, there's no other way for us to be other than, you know, being supported, uh, moment to moment. Um, you know, one of the great healing modalities of 12 step recovery is the creation of community. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you mentioned that early on in our first segment, uh, Durga. And, and, you know, and here in the 12 step community, people are encouraged, you know, to share their stories, uh, really the rawness of their humanity, their mistakes, and, you know, how they learn from them. And, um, and, you know, we have the parallel on the spiritual path of yoga in that there's a, um, a satsang or spiritual community that studies together, that practices together. However, you know, it, it, it one of the distinctions that, that I, I see, you know, in my own community, um, and in other yoga communities is that Practitioners are, of yoga are really not encouraged to tell their stories. You know, it's not, it's, it's sort of like, um, as I see it, you know, in the yoga community, that's, it's like, don't, don't go there, you know, uh, see through it, get beyond it. So, you know, how do you see the, you know, the pluses and minuses of both approaches, like in, you know, recovery, you know, sometimes you just get that, you know, what do we call it, you know, a drunk log where people are talking about, you know, all the, the history of their drinking. Um, in yoga, that would not be encouraged. Um, and so what do you see as the pluses and minuses of, of both approaches? Yeah, I, I, I really, I really see what you're saying there. And I come up, I come up against it quite a lot that, like, there's a kind of ego ownership to the story. Mm-hmm, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the story has to really be told in the 12 steps as, like, a, a, a detachment from the story. Um, and it, sometimes you're telling it from the more dramatic point of view, but it's it's a point of service because mm-hmm. you're trying to allow other people to identify. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're telling the story as it is. Because we have to go back to the experience so other people can relate to us. And, you know, relate is about relationship. And so, like, we have to meet people where they are, which means that I can tell a piece about my past and my past behavior. And I have distance from that. Although, you know, the 12 steps say don't get too distant because you want to remember it too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... I do understand what you're saying also about the satsang, and I think that's one of the things where, you know, your your guru says be careful of that because, you know, you can bypass or try to avoid or escape your own self by kind of, the ego then dresses up as a spiritual person. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, it's like often, often we see that it's like, okay, so then we show up in the ashram and we start to obey their rules and we start to dress in white and we start to chant, but... You know, that underlying tension is usually there and it comes out in community quite quickly mm-hmm. because I think that's the that's the real, in yoga recovery we're saying that, that the two base attachments that you really have to deal with um, in the spiritual life is food and people. And so in an ashram, all the other accessories have been removed and you're really down at that level. So you'll see it come up as tension with other people and and all of that. But then what really fascinates me, because the story is so important, and so again, who tells the story is the bhaktis. You know, they tell the experience, strength, and hope of the gods. Mm. You know, they they, t- they tell you the, the pickles the god get into. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, they're, they're, they're up against each other. Someone's doing wrong. They're having a conference about how can we overcome this. And, and you know, in Navaratri, we sit and we go through nine nights of listening to the story of how the goddesses come and, you know, mm-hmm. take on the demons. <laughs> and and so they are using story. And so, again, when right. we look for the similarities, not the differences, it's, again, we're looking for the, the, the similarity to the story in the sense of the feeling state, not the mm-hmm. particulars of the story, like, okay, you had more money than me, or I, ne- I was never married, or I never lost my job. You know, that's what we're asked not to, 
tune into, but tune into the feeling behind it because that's mm-hmm. universal. Mm-hmm. Sure, and because as you our, say our that. universal needs are the mm-hmm. same, and we've always understood that mm-hmm. in the form of story. And when you when you talk about that, of course, you know what what comes to my mind. You know, it's a beautiful way to look at the parallels. You know, through the universal nature of story itself. You know, I think of you know Arjuna on the battlefield. Right, <laughs> that is so much the the feeling of a person who has just come into recovery. You know, I'm just not. I'm not going to do this, you know, I'm not going to fight, I can't do it, you know, and even, like, I have to fight my my family and my old teachers, and, Mm -hmm. you know, if we look through the lens of recovery, we can say, well, yeah, you know, all the the habits that we learned, the ways of thinking that we learned, you know, that's all going to have to go, and uh, we do have to fight those uh, inherited um, patterns, and um, so that's a beautiful way to look at it. And, you know, perhaps that um, the higher place is, you know, to, to look at what we can learn from story and uh, the freedom that must be there of not, in a sense, identifying the ego self, you know, with the story. Um, one of the one of the things, you know, that can be problematical in the recovery community is the, that, you know, I have heard people um, speak about, you know, the necessity of identifying yourself as an addict or an alcoholic and clinging to that in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. never forget that's what you are. Um, and, you know, of course, yoga would would absolutely say that is not true of, mm-hmm. you know, what you are. And so how do you... How do you uh, Manage that in your yoga of recovery program. Make a bridge for people to to be able to uh, be truthful about their experience, but let go of that uh, as an absolute identification. Yeah, that is a that is a question that comes up for us a lot. Again, because you know, ultimately, um, yoga asks us to assert ourselves, assert ourselves as you know the the true nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and first thing I want you to say is that I, I've, I've never really found that people insist that you say, you know, my name is and I am an alcoholic or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's required in a closed meeting of the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you can, you know, you can announce yourself in meetings in different ways. And we certainly see that in yoga recovery where people will say, um, you know, I'm a person in recovery, and that's mm-hmm. that's it. That's how they describe themselves. Mm-hmm, the one mm-hmm. thing that I notice again with that is, initially, when I had to say that in a room full of people that my name is and I am an alcoholic, then there was an actual physical reaction to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was shaking, I was mm-hmm. trembling, there was tears, my voice was quaking, mm-hmm. and and that happens in the presence of something that is, like, you know, cathartic, something is happening, there's a big Mm -hmm. shift going on there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I see it, and it, you know, kind of trips off the tongue because it's no longer something that I'm resisting or fighting against. You know, Mm I come to the admission of that's one of the things where I was um, sick or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. resisting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I often say that at first it's part of the medicine that you have to say it to relinquish the ego's hold oh, on right. the on the, the denial illusion of the system. <laughs> That's know. right. Yeah, I, I would agree. And that was I, I'm sorry it was such a big question to put in right at the at the conclusion of our program but but i think you've you've done a really powerful job of just kind of going to the heart of it and saying it's powerful to say and you know as you come to terms with that then there are certainly ways of understanding this as as something you have experienced in your life but as yoga would say you know not our ultimate identity it's been such a joy to share this yoga hour with you um thank you so much durga leela for 
for joining us. And I want to uh, remind our listeners that you can find out more about uh, Durga's teaching schedule and her retreats, uh, Yoga of Recovery. She also does some marvelous um, journeys to India for Panchakarma uh, healing journeys. And you can find out about her programs at yogaofrecovery.com. Uh, next week, I want to invite you to be back with me for Life as a Pilgrimage of Divine Remembrance. And my good friend, Reverend Charles Gibbs, Episcopal priest and author of the book, Light Reading Poems from a Pilgrim Journey, uh, will be with me. We'll be sharing some poetry, um, celebrating the beauty of the human heart. Uh, the Yoga Hour is a service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. To find out more about CSE, we invite you to visit our website, csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour at iTunes. Let your friends know about it. Um, Durga, I look forward to our next conversation, and uh, thanks so much for this uh, insights, uh, profound insights that you have given us today about the journey of recovery and uh, how yoga can be a great support. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you, Durga. And thank you, Jeff, at Unity Online Radio in the sound booth, our sound engineer. And thanks to our Yoga Hour team, Vicki Martin and Dr. Laura Laurel Trujillo, um, for making it all possible for us. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world. Share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. the saying a good deed is its own reward well moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward it will also reward you with vibrant health boundless energy an easy way to keep your weight where you want it and according to yogis and unity's co-founder charles fillmore even give a boost to your spiritual life on Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. When your world goes topsy-turvy and turmoil threatens, try this exercise. Think about tranquility. Let the screen of your mind reflect whatever the word tranquility may bring. Perhaps you'll see a majestic snow-covered mountain peak, perhaps a clear still lake or a sparkling stream. Enjoy whatever image comes. It's your thought. Now let yourself find the place of complete stillness deep within you. Here you are poised, serene, and peaceful. The poet T.S. Eliot wrote... At the still point, there the dance is. The dance of life continually shifts its rhythm and form in its attempt to carry you beyond limited ideas of who you are. Enter into the still point of your being. There, regardless of what may surround you, you will find peace. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. 
Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 